0: Did you know that you could get arrested simply by putting the wrong words into a Google search engine? (laughs) Maybe, Maybe that's not exactly true. Maybe I am kind of stretching it a bit, but it's a crazy story. And then we traveled to Germany to meet a young family who has moved into an apartment building where they are the only tenants as the children run from floor to floor, hiding in abandoned apartments, they have no idea that a new player has entered the game. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit rabbit radio I'm your host Jason Carpenter I'm having a great day hope you guys are having a great day too hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing it's still a couple weeks away but I should announce it now we will be doing a live stream special on Christmas day the day when everyone's busy doing something else I don't know why I plan it this way but you don't have anything to do for the holidays or maybe if you do Come and join us. I will give you more details as the date comes clearer. But someone who never needs more details given about them, someone who can be read like a perfect book from a mile away, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our Thanksgiving livestream contributors. Everyone give it up for A. Samson. One, two, three. A. Samson, woohoo, yeah, come on in to Dead Rabbit Command. Shave his head, shave his head so he loses all his strength. Hey, Samson, let's go ahead and toss you the oars to the rabbit rowboat. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Row, row, row us all the way out to Denver, Colorado. Oh, splash. Oh, splash. He's beating the drum. We're rowing to the beat. We're slaves to the rhythm. Actually, we're probably just slaves. He's making us row this boat across America. It's August 5th, 2020. Martha, Martha, call 911. The neighbor's house is on fire. Actually, that's too many numbers for 911. 911, what's your emergency? The house is on fire. Can't you see the flames? Can't you see the flames from the fire department? Oh, yeah. Fire engine pulls up. If you guys are going to go, Jason, you're doing a lot of sound effects to start on this story. The story's pretty grim. I figured I can make it as lighthearted as possible. There's a Dalmatian running around the house. The firemen keep dropping pails of water. Charlie Chaplin shows up. That's pretty much that's pretty much the end of the jokes. Unfortunately, in Denver, Colorado, on August 5th, 2020, there was an arson in this suburban neighborhood. There's eight people living in this house. Five people died in this. Fire someone set the fire deliberately. Five people died. All members of the same families. absolutely horrific. Five people died in this fire, and the police they have no idea who did this. They cannot figure out who would be so inhuman to set a house on fire, kill five people. Apparently, there is some surveillance video footage in the area. It's probably like a ring doorbell type camera, maybe a traffic light cam somewhere. They were able to get video footage of three men wearing hoodies and full face masks. Almost like a hockey mask or a purge type mask. So they have no idea who these people were. They go, those three guys are probably the ones who committed this arson. But why would they do it? What is the motive? Well, it turns out they did end up arresting three people for this crime. They were all teenagers. There's was like two 16-year-olds, and I think the other one was like 14 or 15. These kids set this house on a fire, burned it down, and killed five people. And it was really interesting. At the time, the Denver police chief, Paul Pazin, gave a comment about this to the media. It was talking about their investigation, and he said, quote, This was as complex of an investigation as I am aware of in my entire career. They did an amazing job. I cannot give away the details. This is very sensitive information because successful prosecution is critical in this case. Now, cops always say stuff like that, right? They'll always say, you know, we can't reveal too much information, blah, blah, blah. But this statement in this case was 100% true because how they caught these guys is raising a lot of eyebrows across America. I want to give a shout-out to NBC News. This is the only place I really found any information on this. NBC News, there is a journalist there named John Shupp. He wrote an article about what they did to catch these guys. And it's weird, because on the one hand, yeah, they caught three teenagers who murdered five people, right? In an arson attack that killed this family. The way they did it was the police went to Google... And said, we want to know everyone who typed this address in to your search engine. We want a list of everyone who searched for this address. And I think they gave him a time parameter. I think it was within 15 days before the attack. And they got a judge to sign off on it. The judge sent it to Google and Google says, here you go. Here's a list of everyone who searched for that address before the attack now it's super interesting because that you're just fishing you're just fishing for information normally you have a suspect you have a name or you have some sort of description the type of car they have and you can then go to the dmv and go give us the addresses of everyone who owns a white subaru in the area You have some DNA, so they go, let's start running this DNA. Let's start running these fingerprints through these databases that we have, that we have, that local PD or the federal government has. This is one where they went to Google and says, tell us everyone who typed this address into your search engine. And Google did. Google saw the court order and said, yeah, sure, here's a list of everyone who did it. Shockingly enough, this is just weird to begin with because we know three people were behind it. There were 61 people who searched for that address before the fire. Within 15 days before the fire, 61 different people typed in that address. What were they looking at it for? Well, the the police investigated as much as they could, and they were able to narrow it down. They kept going, okay, so we think it was this group of people. They narrowed it down to about 12 or 6, and then they kept asking... Google for more information. What's the IP addresses? Where are these people at? Where do they live? Where did they search this from? And eventually they found one of the three teenagers. They got his address from the fact that he typed in the address of the house two weeks prior to the house burning down. So they went and they talked to him and they arrested him. They got all of his social media accounts and then they are able to get the other two guys as well. Now, the lawyer, the lawyer of the 17-year-old who got arrested for this, he was arguing in court. He goes, this is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. You just can't walk around the neighborhood and walk into people's houses and hopefully find information that employee. That's against the law. That's unreasonable search and seizure. You're searching. their their Google searches. It's, what's the difference between getting that and getting every phone call made 15 days before an event? The judge in the murder case, this it's still going on. The The trial is still going on for these three teenagers. The judge goes, I'll allow it. I will allow this Google information. It's allowable in trial. This is super weird, and apparently this isn't the first time. They've used this about four or five other times recently. And that might have been the first four or five times. John Shoup was kind of listing off the other times, and I was... Reading some of those articles as well, they used it for a sex trafficking case. They use it in a fraud case where they go, the fraud case is what happened was this person was being defrauded and the police are like, we don't know how to track them down. Let's find out everyone who searched this victim's name within this time period before the crime, they were able to get the IP address of the person who put in that name. Now, listen, I don't I'm not pro arson. Oh, and what's terrifying about this, too, is so now that they've been arrested, the police figured out what the motive was. They burned down the wrong house. Apparently, one of their cell phones went missing and they thought it was these people who stole their cell phone. So they went to set fire to that person's house, but instead they burned this house down and killed five people. So they they weren't even the intended target. It's not like that makes it any better, right? It's still a horrible tragedy. You're like, oh, but they, they killed the people who stole the phone. That's okay, then. It was petty revenge, and it was the wrong house to begin with. It's a super interesting story, and... I mean... <sighs> We all know there's zero privacy online. At least I hope you know that, right? There's zero privacy online. I don't care how many VPNs you got. I, I, I know a lot of people use VPNs and you're like, oh, I can watch shows in countries where those shows aren't allowed in my country. That's all they're good for. If you really think that your VPN is protecting your identity, it's not. There, there are a hundred different ways they're going to find you. And I don't believe any piece of technology like a VPN would even be allowed on the marketplace if there isn't a backdoor. Just like I, whenever I read these articles about the police arresting people and they're like, they didn't give us the password for the phone, so we went to Apple and said, unlock this phone. And Apple said, no, we're not going to do it. That's all smoke and marriage. Those police have a hundred different ways into your devices. I don't believe for a second that they can actually add, they have to ask Apple for access. I think that's all a charade. I really, really do. So I, you know there's no privacy online. You know there's no privacy online. That's why no one wants to sponsor this show. I'm not going to get a NordVPN sponsorship. There's no privacy online. At the same time, I, like I know when I put in a Google isn't, somebody has access to it but the fact that the police are just basically doing this huge trawling and remember there were 61 other people typing this address in for who knows what reason innocently they had nothing to do with any of that but they were also getting trawled through and then so all of the stuff they did online had to be looked at so the police could rule them out as a suspect i don't want the government looking at my stuff. I mean, I know that they do, right? It's just, it's this weird thing. I know that they do. I know that they have access to all of that stuff. But at the same time, like, so there's a thing called geofencing where the police have said, we see this all the time in true crime, in true crime articles. What happens is generally someone gets caught for murder and they go, I wasn't in that area. And the police can go, well, that's funny because we have your cell phone pinging in this area and we can show that her cell phone was pinging in that area too but only your cell phone left that area. Like, we can track all that. That's when they actually have the suspect already. They can prove that he's lying. They also do this thing called geofencing. Where there's a shooting in Baltimore, and the police will say, we want the electronic device signature. We want the cell phone pings of everyone who was in that area before, during, and after that shooting. We want to know everyone who was there because we all have these tracking devices on us. That's been ruled illegal in Virginia. That's the only place where you can't do that. Every other state right now, you can do that. The cops can say, we want to know everyone who was in this area. And I mean, again, I'm not pro arson. I'm glad that these guys got arrested. It's just the way that they do it. It's so interesting. And it opens up a whole bunch of legal issues. It really, really does. Because at what point, I mean, at what point should we just be mailing, just printing out and mailing in our searches to the cops? Just, I mean, just to skip a step, right? Because as long as a judge signs off on it, Google's going to comply. Now, Google will not say how many of these they get on a regular basis. Like, we know about four or five cases. This could happen all the time. We are not privy to. Like, Google's like, we're not even going to tell, tell you how many times we get these calls in a week. But, it, I mean, from a law enforcement thing, it makes sense, right? They want to do it. They want to find out who's there. But... And I th- I've thought about this. I've thought about this. There is a YouTube video. I'll put a link in the show notes. I've really thought about just having the last 10 minutes of the podcast be this video. It is, I mean, listen, the worst thing, think of the worst thing you could possibly put into a search engine, right? So Nicholas Cruz, that guy who shot up Stoneman Douglas High School down in Florida. There's a YouTube video, it's about 10 minutes long, and it's a prosecutor reading off all of Nicholas Cruz's search requests. Everything he typed into Google. And it is so explicit. I would, I would not sleep at night. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'll let someone else sleep at night. I could not. I thought, dude, I should just take this audio and put it at the end of an episode because it's so insane. The stuff that this guy—it's not safe for work. I'll tell you that. Don't, don't start blasting it on the loudspeakers. It's some of the grossest stuff you could ever imagine. It is, I haven't been able to make it. I have not been able to make it the full 10 minutes. I, and this isn't a challenge either. I'm not going to be like, hey, you tell me how long you lasted. They had all of us, I don't know what the timeline was. I don't really care. I don't care if it was across 10 years or one week. It is some of the most disgusting things you could ever think of. My thing was why didn't they <laughs> arrest him when he typed in the first five things? The stuff he was putting in was so illegal. These are things he was looking for. It wasn't that he was just making a shopping list. Well, he wasn't making a shopping list. He wanted this stuff. He was typing this into Google. But it's not like he was just writing it down in his dream journal. (laughs) Trust me, it would have been worrisome enough there. If it's his internal thoughts, you can't arrest someone for pre-crime. It's so bizarre that you can't investigate someone for looking into what he looked into. And I'm glad the arsonist got arrested. I'm glad the sex traffickers got arrested and the person who got defrauded found justice. I'm glad for all that stuff. But it's just so interesting that they're literally, I mean, it, it is no different than walking into everyone's house in that area and saying, do you have any gasoline here? That's really what they did, which would have been illegal. But since they used Google, it was legal. It's super interesting and it will be happening way more. it'll be happening way, way more. A Samson123. <laughs> quit quit going on the show notes. He's like, I don't think it's that I doubt those that YouTube video gonna be that bad, Jason. No, don't, don't, don't. Here, let me give you the keys to the Carpenter copter. Take us away from Denver, Colorado. We are headed all the way out to Germany. This is a really cool story. I got sent by one of you guys, a longtime Patreon supporter of the show. BS is his name. Very, very fascinating and terrifying story coming out of a small town in Germany. And it's not his story. He said he was actually, him and his coworker were driving around late one night. His coworker told him this story. We're in northern Germany at an unnamed small harbor town, which I understand. He doesn't wanna he want to dox his coworker. This story took place in the past, though. This I don't think this I know this guy still doesn't live in this apartment complex. Apparently, in this German town, there's an apartment complex that had caught on fire. But the firefighters came in, they stopped the fire, they saved the building. But nobody wanted to live there. Nobody wanted to live in an apartment building that had just gotten torched and had a bunch of water damage everywhere. But when when BS's friend, we're going to go ahead and call him Billy, he's 16 years old, his family moved into this apartment complex. And it was Bill, his mom, his dad, and his little brother, we're going to call him Joey, who's only six. Bill's 16, Joey's six years old. They move into this apartment complex And they said, you know, it was actually kind of cool. It was actually kind of cool. You had the whole complex to yourself. And none of the apartment doors were locked. So you really had the whole complex to yourself. Now, I don't know if they got their stuff out of there. I don't know if they were running around like, oh, this house has a Nintendo 64. Take it at home. I don't know. I don't think they were thieves. But you definitely had all of these rooms. And behind each door, a mystery, right? Around the corner of each hallway, an undiscovered path. And these kids, they made good use of this apartment complex. When their cousins would come over, they'd play (laughs) hide-and-go-seek. Can you imagine playing hide-and-go-seek in an entire apartment complex? I don't know how big this was. I don't know if it was like three stories or if it was one of those like like, multi-wrap-around units with 100 units. But still... You would, you would have to set some serious parameters with that hide-and-go-seek game. You'd have to be like, okay, okay, Joey, today, please, only the fifth and sixth floor. I don't want to have to run up and down all these floors looking for you. There's a hundred apartments here. You would have to set some parameters. But if you're playing hide-and-go-seek in an apartment complex, it's going to be a pretty involved game. But Billy said one thing when you were playing hide-and-go-seek if you didn't get found right away, right, you're the hider, not the seeker, you didn't get found for a while, you could start to feel the loneliness. You're hiding in an apartment that no one's been in for months. You're just curled up in the corner all alone. The longer you went without being found, the more a sense of true isolation would set in. Now, despite the fact that they had an entire apartment complex to play hide-and-go-seek, Everything wasn't great at this apartment complex because that doesn't help the adults at all. I guess if they don't want to hang out with their kids, they're like, hey, shouldn't you go play like, hide and go see? He's like, I'm home by myself. Oh, yeah, go find yourself. Consider it a spiritual journey. The parents, I mean, they liked the apartment as well. But the problem was, was in their apartment, the ceiling was black, not like painted black. It was like blackened, which they figured had obviously had something to do with the fire, but probably more to do with water damage. In the apartment above them. And and their apartment themselves. So they go, you know, that's kind of (laughs) gross. That's kind of gross. Having a black ceiling. Let's paint it. Let's get rid of it. Let's paint over it. So one day they did. They painted the ceiling to match the walls. But over time, the ceiling would turn black again. As if they had never painted it. And not only that... They could actually see that the ceiling would once again become damp. Billy's mom starts to find trash in the apartment. She's like, what? What's that piece of garbage doing over there? Old banana peel. Saran wrap. Balled up. Just sitting behind the couch. She's like, what in the world? Now, she does have two sons, right? And you could probably chalk it up. To kids just being messy. So she throws the banana peel away. Throws away the saran wrap. But she starts to notice more and more. Just miscellaneous pieces of trash. Popping up around the apartment. But she also when she sees these. And she does apparently question the boys. They go we have nothing to do with it. What are you talking about? Billy said my mom would not only find trash. Strewn about the apartment. It would be trash That she personally put in the garbage can. It was stuff that she knew should have been in the garbage can. Later, she would find that same piece of trash somewhere else in the apartment. Now, again, two boys. Could be them. Most likely them, right? Kids love trash. The family would be hanging out in the living room, (laughs) debating what color of paint they're going to do the ceiling next time. They'd be sitting in the living room, hanging out, and they would hear Coming from the apartment above them. Mm. 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 That's the sounds of somebody walking above them. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't know what that was, you're like, what? And someone's using a Thighmaster up there? They would hear what sounded like someone in the apartment above them. Now anyone who's ever lived in an apartment were familiar with those sounds. I pretty much grew up in apartments. You're used to that. The problem was, is they were the only people in the entire complex, but every so often they'd hear someone walking around upstairs. Then, the family began to suffer issues with their electronics. One night, Billy wakes up in the middle of the night to find his television on in his bedroom. G- I don't know if it was on Spooky Spooky Snow Channel. It could have been showing Rugrats for all I know. The point is, is the television. it doesn't matter what it is, right? It doesn't matter what it is. You're dead asleep. Your television turns on and it shouldn't be on. It's terrifying. It doesn't matter if it's a rerun of Doug. It's still awful. His television turned on in the middle of the night. Woke we'll him up one night. The other members of the household also started to experience things like that. Electronics would turn on when they shouldn't be on when no one turned them on they would go ding turn on and billy said around this point it stopped being fun it stopped being fun to live there cuz the whole family is experiencing weird stuff right now and what's interesting because i read this a couple times and looking over my notes it's interesting that billy never mentions what his dad experienced so we know the mom was finding the trash everywhere and the two brothers Well, I don't want to give it away. Joey has an experience coming up. I'm curious. Uh, There could be one or two things going on. There's even though I said there's a dad in the house, there may not be a dad. Um, I think there is because at one point he mentions his parents. But my my what I'm getting at is I'm wondering if the dad was also experiencing stuff and he wasn't telling anybody. He wasn't telling anybody. Because he was just like, I'm not, gonna, my family's going to freak out if I told them this. Because this story took place years and years and years ago. It, actually, I can place it at least 12 years ago. I know that for a fact. But the, um, yeah, I'm wondering if the dad, because we have experience from the mom, experience from both brothers. But the dad, there's no interesting, right? He, the dad could just be like, I'm not telling my family about that. But whether or not the dad, whether or not the dad was experiencing anything or whether or not the dad existed in the first place. He was the ghost all along. The fact is, is that it stopped being fun to live here. No, there was no more running up and down the hallways, no more hiding in the apartments. Billy said we pretty much just locked the <laughs> locked the front door and watched movies. That was our fun. Because the creep factor just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Well, one night, Billy and Joey were home alone. And then all of a sudden... Power goes out. Billy and Joey are home alone in an abandoned, burned out apartment complex with no electricity. And it's terrifying, right? You'd obviously, you Obviously, you've already heard all of these weird noises. The, the unpaintable ceiling. The unpaintable ceiling of doom. Electronics have been turning themselves on and off. You've had some weird things going on here. Now the power goes out, and it's terrifying. But Billy's sitting there in the dark, and he goes, Wait a second. Wait a second. I can't chalk this up to being paranormal. It is quite likely that all that has happened is a fuse has burned out. I mean, after all this place was engulfed in flames, the fuse box may have suffered some damage. So I just need to walk down the hallway of this abandoned, burned-out apartment complex and change the fuse. Now, in America, we have our circuit breaker boxes, right? They just go click. You walk and you flip them. Apparently... In the rest of the world, it's like dying light where you have to find fuses and carry them from point A to point B and plug them in. I had to look this up because I was like, what in the world is a fuse box? So, Billy, apparently, apparently he has a fuse in the drawer or something like that. He takes a fuse and he leaves his little brother in the apartment. Because really, at Joe, what's Joey? Joey's choices are walk through the darkness of this apartment and who knows what is out there or be comfortable on your couch i mean it you're 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 shrouded in darkness either way maybe they have flashlights but joey stays behind and billy takes the fuse and he walks to the fuse box easy peasy right he's going to get this electricity back on he says right when he's getting ready to put the fuse back in he hears the most blood-curdling scream he's ever heard in his life. And he recognizes it as his little brother's voice. He runs back through the hallway, bone-chilling scream coming from the apartment. He runs in the door... And his little brother is curled up on the couch. And he is sobbing so heavily and screaming so loud. His six-year-old brother is just hysterical. And Billy's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he can't even catch a breath. Joey can't even take a moment to say what happened. He's just curled up in a ball on the couch, screaming... And crying and sobbing. To Billy, it looks like he's almost going into some sort of catatonic state. Like he's going into shock. He just can't control his breathing. He's just freaking out. And Billy just wants to know what's happening. Because if he doesn't know what's happening, how's he going to help? Joey, curled up on this couch, reaches an arm out. And extends his finger and begins pointing into the darkness. And Joey finally, in between sobs, is able to get out one word. Girl. And Billy turns and looks and sees where Joey is pointing at. His arm shaking as he tries to keep it steady, but his heaving body won't allow it. He's pointing out into the darkness of the living room. Joey was pointing at where he saw the girl. A girl who appeared out of the darkness. A girl who stood there in front of his little brother. A girl who waited till Billy left the room. Before she appeared. When the parents get home, Billy tells them, Hey, I just... I don't know how your guys' evening went, but here's what happened while you were gone. And at that point, the family made a decision. It's time to leave. We're out of here. Like, this is, just, this is just too much. But the issue is, is they had signed a housing contract, a lease, right? You can't get out of a lease by claiming the place is haunted. However... They were able to say, this has nothing to do with the ghosts, it has nothing to do with anything spooky. Our ceiling is black. Our ceiling is black, and no matter how many times we've tried painting over it, the black stuff returns. And we don't think it's healthy for our kids to be in a living room full of whatever, whatever is causing that blackness on our ceiling. So they were able to break their lease. They were actually able to get out of that housing contract and move earlier than they were supposed to. They were, you know, they had signed up for more months. All in all, from beginning to end, they only lived there for six months. They were the only tenants there, and they, their stay only lasted six months. And as they were wrapping up the whole process of moving out and signing all the paperwork, Billy's parents kind of discreetly begin asking questions about <clears throat> the, how, the apartment complex before the fire and how it all may have started. Questions you should have asked in the beginning, right? They're like, it was a mysterious fire. Nobody knows. They should have asked all that stuff up front, but it was probably a great deal. They begin asking a little bit about the fire and what had happened, and they were told... That a little girl had died in the fire. And to the family, that made a lot of sense. That explained a lot. I mean, obviously, the ghost girl in the living room, but also, you know, other people walking around, they'd hear there's people walking around in their apartment. When you'd play hide and go seek, you would feel just lonely. Missed, but not, ha ha, I've gotten away with hiding the vest. You felt trapped you felt solitude involuntary solitude during an average game of hide-and-go-seek it's interesting because we see this a lot in paranormal investigations i've personally experienced it on both sides Joey completely forgot that this ever happened. He had no idea. He had no memory of the night he was curled up in a ball on the couch, going "girl, girl." He doesn't remember any of that, and no one reminded him. No one reminded him until he turned eighteen. It sounds like a great gift. What do you give the person who has everything? Trauma. On his 18th birthday, I actually don't know if it was on the birthday. They're like, oh, here's your present. It's like a photo album photo album of ghost girls. Ah. Billy said after he turned 18, and not specifically on his 18th birthday, a ghost girl blows out the candles and goes, "Boo!" Everyone else disappears. He goes, we t- we told him about it. We told him about, well, we asked him, hey, remember that time we were in that uh, old abandoned apartment complex i think he probably remembered that he probably remembered that but he was told about the time he's curled up under the ball shouting girl in between moans and joey's like i don't remember any of that i don't remember any of that. And billy's like yeah and you peed your pants too you big baby joey's like no i didn't he's all making up extra details well no now i feel like i'm kind of cutting on off the legs of the story he didn't do that but um Joey didn't remember it, and I've had that happen to, I've done ghost investigations with people, I've been out with like Josh, my buddy Josh, and like something crazy would happen, and then like years later, I was like, hey dude, remember when we were down to that park, and that spooky thing happened, you peed your pants, Josh, remember when you peed your pants, he's like, no, he wouldn't remember the ghost, he wouldn't remember the ghost thing, I've done that with a couple people, I had a buddy named Chris too, had this really weird experience with a shadow man, and then like years later, he's like, dude, what are you talking about? I go, dude, there were 15 witnesses, man. Like you don't remember that. But then I, would, it was so weird because I'd be like, maybe you just can't handle the truth. Maybe that movie's real and you can't handle the truth. And your brain actually has like a circuit breaker built into it. I do believe that. And something so outside the norm happens and you experience it in that moment. But as time goes by, you just forget it. It's not forgotten. It's blocked out you block it out because it's so terrifying. Imagine if a six-year-old had to come to grips with the fact that the dead still walk the earth in spirit form, and he's being confronted with a child possibly close to his age, her spirit, her soul, trapped in the darkness of a burned-out apartment. Like, for a six-year-old to really kind of comprehend that, that it's so... It's terrifying to us if we saw it. But to a six-year-old, it's that it's that he's closer to the age range. He's having to grapple with all sorts of stuff all of a sudden as this girl's walking out of the darkness towards him. So it's a terrifying story. BS, thank you so much for sharing it with me. And there's a lot of stuff we can talk about, but the main thing that I want to talk about here as we wrap this episode up, it's super interesting to me we have an apartment. It's almost like a scientific experiment. Because we can have a lot of controls going on here. We have an apartment complex that burned down and a little girl died in it. And then, no, as far as we know, nobody lived in it until this family. They were the first family back in. And what we had was an escalation of power. We had an escalation of abilities. So first, it was just a feeling of loneliness when you were alone. More than you would normally feel when you were alone, right? An uneasy sense of isolation. Then, physical matter begins to move around. You know, the trash that is known to be thrown away appears in other places. The electronic devices are going on and off. At Let's be honest, creepy moments, right? Ghosts aren't idiots. They used to be alive. They know what's creepy and what's not creepy. Middle of the day, your television set turns on. You're like, what? Did I sit on the remote? Is there short? Middle, middle of the night when you're sleeping, your television turns on. It's creepier. And it's like everything is being set up. Oh, and the, the footprints upstairs, right? The, the sound of the walking. Those are all pretty normal ghostly activity. Actually, the trash coming in and out of the trash can—you know, stuff that was thrown away—appears back in the house. That's that's a fairly high power level already. But to then appear and not just appear in the darkness, but to wait until Joey was alone, like actually caused the power. Wait till the two boys are home alone, caused the power outage, so Billy would leave, and then take a form, become an image of a girl standing in the darkness in front of the youngest member of the family. It's an escalation. It wasn't a moment where she's already there and people go, yeah, it's so weird late at night. I swear that I can hear the sound of a little girl crying in the apartment next to us. And then when you're playing hide-and-go-seek, you would hear like a giggle and you'd see like a sunflower dress kind of whip by at the end of the hallway as you're catching glimpses of her. They didn't get that. It was almost like this ghost had to feed off of them and was slowly ramping things up. And what's interesting is, I think she's gathered enough energy that the next family that came into that apartment complex, which I'd love to know if it was still there, the next family that moved into that apartment complex would be facing a ghost who, while she may pull those same type of stunts, she may still want to feed off of that fear energy and that energy of discontent. She's fully formed. She would come in more powerful than she was before she fed off this family. I don't think this is a good spirit. This story, there's something about this girl that seemed menacing. There's something about this specter that seemed dangerous. And whatever happened in this apartment complex after this family moved out... The ghost was more powerful when they left than it was before they arrived. So it would make me wonder if this building is still there. If they were renting out apartments after a fire, I can't imagine it was like on the verge of collapse. They may have just fixed it, you know, gave it a new paint job. Tore out the carpets, put a new one, did a full renovation, and now it's a fully stocked, Apartment complex with people living in every apartment. But one of those apartments may have an extra tenant. The ghost of a girl who died in a fire. Or a demon pretending to be such a victim. I do think this, I do think this entity was feeding off the uncertainty and the fear and the confusion of this family. And I do think that the darker elements in the world can do that. I think they can do that quite easily. So the next time you're feeling a little down, you're, you're depressed, you don't like your job, <laughs> your apartment caught on fire, you're in a hotel room. Next time you're feeling a little down, the next time you're feeling a little sullen, there could be something nearby, some unseen spirit. Gaining power from your emotions. The next time you're confused, you're doing a Sudoku puzzle. And you're like, what? Why am I I doing a Sudoku puzzle? And you throw it to the ground. There's going to be a spirit behind you. Drinking in all that delicious louche, that emotional energy made of pain and misery. You're like, Sudoku's not that bad, (laughs) Jason. It doesn't make demons appear. Just because you hate math doesn't mean that a demon's like, oh, yes, I'm going to go work for the New York Times as their Sudoku editor. The next time you're feeling a little out of sorts, confused, lonely, depressed. (laughs) Don't do those things. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this. Don't do those things. Because you may be feeding a demonic spirit nearby. And you're like, that's it. I'm going to bed. I've had such a depressing and confusing day. I don't even know where my bed's at. And you lay down in bed. You're just, man, what a horrible day. And I had a horrible yesterday. And I'll probably have a horrible tomorrow. And you're just slowly, slowly going to sleep. you can't even fall asleep fast you're so depressed your serotonin's like no we're gonna hang out here for a while melatonin you stay you stay where down there you stay down there you're slowly falling asleep you could be feeding the spirit of a little girl standing at the foot of your bed she's like finally finally i finally have enough energy to fully manifest And then she does that. So basically, the moral of the story is don't be depressed, I guess. I don't know. I was thinking thinking it was going to be super creepy. And then I was like, how can you not be depressed? Well, don't. Because when you're depressed, you may be feeding a dark spirit. I guess if it did take the form of a little girl at the end of your bed, you could be like, do chores and stuff. Young lady, as long as you're under my roof, you're going to follow my rules. She's like, aww. Just don't have her take out the trash because I heard she's really bad at that job. Okay, that's it. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.